Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello there, everyone. My name is Roger, and I want to tell you about one of my peculiarities. The thing is, I'm a lucky owner of shark teeth. Quite recently, I was really proud of this and could not even think that I would ever want to get rid of them. The reason for this was numerous problems which I will tell you about right now. First of all, you should know that I grew up without my parents. I was brought up by my grandfather, a very strict and intelligent person. Everyone in my city respected him and always listened to his opinion. I have always admired my grandfather. For me, he was a great authority and I trusted his every word. He not only gave me a happy childhood on his own, but he also taught me all sorts of male things. Since the age of seven, I have been able to hang shelves, make various types of furniture, and clean pipes. I also knew a little bit about mechanics. Besides, my grandpa took me fishing often and organized various trips. I love to sit by the fire and listen to his stories about how he defeated a bear in hand-to-hand combat, caught a thief, and much, much more. Now, I understand that these were just fairy tales invented for a rather curious grandson. But I used to consider them true and even told all my friends about the feats of my grandfather. And anyways, back to my story. It all started when my friends began to lose their teeth. Well, you know, milk teeth are replaced with the permanent ones and all that. Over the years, my friends have repeatedly shown me the coins left by the tooth fairy in exchange for their lost teeth. I was impatiently waiting for the tooth fairy to visit me. But our meeting never really took place. This is because when I was 7, 8, or even 9 years old, I did not lose a single tooth. My teeth were tightly attached to my gums, and even when I went to high school, nothing really changed. I realized that this was weird and asked my grandfather about it. Then he said something like this, All men in our family had always had strong teeth. You will see, when all of your friends have false jaws, you will crack nuts with your teeth. When I told my friends about this, they didn't believe me. Then we decided to make a bet and agreed if within three months I did not lose a single tooth, they would do all of my homework for me till the end of the year. 
Together with my friends, I was deliberately chewing lollipops, nuts, and even pens as well as pencils. In the end, Steve and Johnny lost one tooth each and Max even lost three. They were pulled out by the dentist due to cavities that appeared on them. And I haven't lost a single one. For the next few years, I didn't take care of my teeth at all. I was so sure that everything was fine that I did not consider it necessary to see the dentist. I didn't even undergo medical examinations initiated by our school. Instead, my grandfather and I went to his old friend. He was a doctor, and without any examinations, he gave me all the necessary medical certificates. In fact, I thought this was right and how it should be. I considered going to the doctor to be a violation of my personal dignity. And even when I got sick, I had a fever or strange spots on my body, I never went to the hospital and did not Google my symptoms on the internet. I was sure that my body was strong enough to cope with the disease on its own. Now I understand what an idiot I was. But as they say, fortune favors fools and I was lucky for some time. Until one day I woke up with a terrible pain in my gums. I immediately told my grandfather about this and he explained to me that all boys my age start having new teeth and their jaw increases, besides height, weight, and the length of arms as well as legs. In short, during this so-called puberty, Boys become men, so pain in the bones, gums, and other parts of the body is an absolutely normal thing. I told my friends about this, and unfortunately, they turned out as dumb as I was. Instead of making me visit the dentist, they started looking for problems in their own health. But as my grandfather said, the pain soon disappeared, and I forgot about my teeth again. He might have thought that my teeth were the center of my entire life, but no, that's not the case. Besides school, dumb friends, and problems with my teeth, I also had a girlfriend. Her name was Maggie, and we met at one of the parties of my best friend Max. Maggie was very funny, smart, and a really cool girl. We've been the type of couple who always teased each other, made pranks and all that. In short, we really differed from ordinary people in love. I've been dating Maggie for about two months only, when she suddenly began making some claims against me. At first, she told me that my breath smells. However, I brush my teeth two or even three times a day. Then she did not like my nails on which white spots appeared on from time to time. All in all, she found fault with my teeth, which, according to her, became crooked and too yellow. This was the last straw. What does she even know about my health? We had a big fight, and Maggie said that she would not talk to me until the moment I would be examined at the hospital. I was not going to fulfill her stupid conditions. So we broke up. To be more precise, I left her. This made Maggie really upset, but I didn't care. The story did not end there. In addition to yellow and crooked teeth, I had one more problem. While talking, I began to bite my own tongue. It was so weird that the first time in my life I decided to look into my own mouth and find out how I managed to bite myself, I was shocked in what I saw there. On the upper and lower jaws, my teeth were growing in two rows. I immediately told my grandfather about this, and he just laughed at me. After comforting me, he said that all men in our family had two or even three rows of teeth, and I should be proud of this rare gene because I was one in several million. I was so used to trusting my grandfather that I just believed him again. Moreover, I told all my friends about my teeth, and they were delighted. I was even nicknamed Shark Boy, but after learning about my teeth, Maggie was horrified. We quarreled again, 
And I said many unpleasant things to her, for which I feel very ashamed of right now. I was proud of my teeth. Yes, they were yellow and crooked, but it didn't matter to me. Shark teeth were my pride, at least in the beginning. But soon my opinion about my teeth changed significantly. The thing is, within a week, I bit my tongue so badly that it was swollen and hurt when I was speaking. Not even mentioning that I couldn't eat properly. There was just no room in my mouth for my tongue. My speech became slow and I began to lisp and I couldn't even pronounce that many letters anymore. And my gums! They were constantly hurting, but I endured the pain. Firstly, I believed my grandfather and secondly, my pride did not allow me to perceive my peculiarity as a disease. Every day, I rinsed my mouth with chamomile infusions, took painkillers, applied ointments, tried to hide my tongue and kept quiet as long as possible. I suffered for more than a month until I noticed some strange white spots on my teeth. I was so scared that I finally decided to google the information about shark teeth. After reading dozens of medical articles, I realized that if I didn't visit the dentist immediately, then in a few years my jaw would be completely deformed and it would be almost impossible to fix it. Milk teeth would fall out sooner or later and permanent ones would be chaotically scattered throughout my mouth. In short, I would have to forget about a beautiful smile and a quiet life forever if that happened. This information shocked me. Since I've never been to hospitals, I didn't even know how to make an appointment with a dentist and how much it would cost. So I called Maggie and asked her to help me. Of course, I apologized to her first for all this time. She had been right and she really did care about me, but I behaved like a real idiot. Maggie forgave me and promised to help. Her parents were doctors and they could recommend me a good specialist. When I told my grandfather that I was going to visit the dentist, he got very angry. He said that I did not understand anything, didn't appreciate the history of our family, didn't respect him at all. Grandpa was very upset with me and even refused to talk to me. Despite all my grandfather's protests, I still visited the dentist and seemed to develop a new phobia. The doctor told me that my teeth and my smile could still be saved. Of course this will take time, or rather, several years of regular visits to the dentist, putting off braces and a whole lot more to cut the long story short. For now, a few of my milk teeth were pulled and a small dental cavity was healed. Well, that's not bad. Actually, I realized that one should not let their diseases progress. Whatever illness they might have, if you suffer from tooth, decay, rash, or just any cold, you should visit your doctor right away. Believing in yourself is, of course, quite good, but unfortunately, not always. Thank you so much for listening to my story. I remember five years ago, if you would have asked me if I could imagine myself living a life like this, I would have answered no. Back then, I was just Dalton, a simple guy who lived a simple life working 9 to 5 as a car wash attendant. I had a girlfriend then. Her name was Whitney. We were happy. For a time. Until she got hooked on reality shows. From that moment on, all she wanted was to be one of those girls. Spending money and owning stuff she didn't need. She didn't work. Not that she couldn't find a job, just that she didn't feel like it was befitting of her. 
I started working while going to high school. I didn't have the luxury of the pride that Whitney had. We were poor, and I needed the money to help my grandma. But with a girl like Whitney as my girlfriend, I only got to keep half my pay. Sometimes, I would even be flat out broke because of her. Whitney loved her shiny things, and she made it my duty to give them to her. If you're not buying me gifts, are you even my boyfriend? She would always say she'd leave me if I didn't give in to what she wanted, and I was afraid of losing her. I always thought she was special, and she had a beautiful voice. I started writing songs because of her, and whenever she'd sing my songs, I'd feel like the luckiest guy in the world. When she sang those songs, everyone's eyes and ears would be on her, and she loved the attention. Even when she would claim the songs were hers, I didn't mind. I knew she wanted to be famous, and if my songs were the way she could get her dreams, I would happily stay in the shadows and support her with all my heart. But everything changed when she finally got what she wanted. One day while performing at a school event, an agent came up to her and gave her his card. Two weeks later, a recording label signed her. I took her to prom, but the romantic night I had been dreaming of for years suddenly crumbled in front of me when I asked her to dance and she swatted my hand away. I can't be seen with you anymore. What? Why? I'm gonna be famous now. What will people say if they knew I was dating a car wash boy? Huh? What will my fans say? I... But I love you. That's not enough. I won't have you ruin my dream. You're a nobody, and that will never be worthy of me. Now, get lost. Everyone saw, and everyone heard her break up with me at prom. I cried. It broke my heart. Every day, that moment was all I could think of. I was always so distracted that I got fired from my only job, and my old boss didn't give me a good reference, so I found it hard to get another job. The only person who was kind enough to hire me was some guy who lived in a mansion who took me in as a pool boy. He was barely there, which was great. I basically got paid to hang out in an expensive house. In just a year, Whitney's career skyrocketed. She went to award shows, sang on TV, one of her songs even got used in a movie. I knew then I could never reach her. Until one day, she came into my life again. My producer boss told me he had a very important artist coming over and to make the pool area and the garden presentable. He had me put up streamers and dress up nice. There was going to be a party that day, and the guest of honor was Whitney. I almost fell over when I saw her come in. She looked nothing like she used to, and I felt a twinge in my heart. She barely noticed me. I doubt she even recognized me. They were celebrating her debut album's success. All of the songs in it were songs that I wrote for her. My name was never even mentioned in the credits. I overheard her and the producer talk about something, and it sounded like an argument. It's in your contract, Whitney. I know, I know. But I'm an artist. Art can't be rushed. All the label is asking for is one song. One snippet of a song. If you want to capitalize on your fame, you have to record your next album right now. Or you'll just end up being a one-hit wonder. Whitney was struggling to write her next album. It wasn't a surprise since she didn't write the first one. Then, I saw them kiss. I guess that was how Whitney convinced the producer to have more patience. When Whitney finally saw me and recognized me, she cornered me. You, you have to keep this a secret, you hear? And you have to write me new songs. I... 
I'll pay you. But I couldn't simply do it anymore. She tore my heart in two. And now she wanted me to save her fake career? When I refused her, she had me fired. I guess if you're someone with a secret, you wouldn't want your secret keeper to be so close to the people who can end your career. For me, it was a record low. Did pool boys even get fired? How bad do you have to be as a pool boy to get fired? I was on my way to move back in with my parents when a limo stopped where I was walking. The window rolled down and I saw a beautiful woman beckon me towards her. The chauffeur stepped out and opened the door. Come in, I'll give you a ride. My mom always warned me about stranger danger, but she didn't say some of the strangers were gonna be that hot. So, despite my doubts, I hopped into the limo, and when we started moving, the woman handed me a card and shook my hand. I'm Lola. I represent Somi Records. I've been watching you for a while now. What? I'll keep it direct to the point. I heard a rumor that Whitney didn't write her own songs. I make it a point to investigate my rivals, and I found out you were the songwriter. Why didn't you say anything? I, I don't, I don't know. I, I loved her, I guess. I'll offer you a hundred grand as an upfront payment if you sign with us. I couldn't speak. I just nodded my head. I couldn't believe any of it was real. And yet, when I opened my bank account when she dropped me off at home, the money was all there. I had to pick my jaw off the ground when I saw how many zeros there were. I spent the better part of a year writing songs. I got myself a penthouse downtown, and I bought my family an apartment next to mine. Lola gave me a complete makeover, and they marketed me as a singer-songwriter who plays guitar. And then, they released my first album. My debut single was an instant hit. I wrote that song about how Whitney used me and dumped me for fame. So many girls wrote me emails and slid into my DMs telling me my song broke their heart, and that my voice made them fall in love. Actresses and models threw themselves at my feet. Women who didn't even know my last name asked me to marry them. I was invited to award shows and TV programs. I went to red carpets and galas, and on my arm would always be Lola, the beautiful girl who changed my life. My album was nominated for an award, and that night a designer came to me personally and fitted a suit for me. Italian brands fought each other for the chance to make me wear their shoes and belts. And when I got off the limo to go to the red carpet, a hundred flashbulbs lit up and innumerable paparazzi yelled out my name. There were girls lining up the street chanting my name. I knew that I'd made it. A familiar voice called out my name, and I turned around. It was Whitney. You! Get out of my shot! The paparazzi are taking pictures of me! Go back to whatever limo you're driving and stop standing in the middle of the carpet! I could tell she no longer recognized me, so I just gave her a small bow and walked into the theater. Later that night, as the ceremony went on, a security guard approached the table next to us where Whitney sat. It turned out she'd gatecrashed the ceremony as she wasn't even invited. But Whitney loudly protested and made things awkward. She even told the guard she would have him fired, and so the guard let her be. I won the award for best album that night, and I made a speech that shocked everyone. I would like to thank a very special lady here tonight. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have had the inspiration for this hit song. I believe some of you would love to know who the song is about. 
Well, you all know her. It's none other than Whitney. Whitney stood up and began to make her way to the door, not wanting any part of the drama she caused. But before she could escape, the spotlight found her. And just then, her phone rang. And then 20 different notifications. Everyone else's phones began to beep. And I looked at mine. The reviews for Whitney's new album had dropped. It was the first one where she wrote all the songs. And the critics trashed it. News articles about it kept popping up and her horrible songs were trending on Twitter. She ran out of there humiliated. And Hollywood never saw her again. It was many years later, while I was waiting for our limo to arrive as I carried my son, that someone tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around to find Whitney. I hardly even recognized her. She was wearing tattered clothes and had dark circles under her eyes. Oh my god, how could you hide our baby from me all this time? She said it loud enough so that everyone on the street could hear. And when people recognized both of us, they started whispering, I need money. You have to pay me for taking our baby. But before she could go further, the limo door opened and my wife stepped out. Child, I don't know what fantasy world you live in, but that is my baby. I know, because I was there the day it happened. She took out a photo of us and our newborn baby and showed it to anyone who could see. Now, whatever scheme you're trying to pull, it won't work. Now go back to your sad, unremarkable life. Lola pulled me into the limo, but before we drove away, I rolled down the windows and smiled at Whitney. If you didn't lie so much, maybe things would have turned out differently for you. And with that, I kissed my beloved wife and our limo pulled away, leaving my ex-girlfriend speechless on the sidewalk. Ever feel like someone's always watching you? You know the feeling, but when you turn around, nobody's there? Well, I get that feeling all the time. I don't even know when it started. All I know is that I've been starting to notice them when I began working for Elaine. I met her during a job fair. Our high school had a booth, and we were there so that us kids could learn what kinds of careers we could go into in the future. I was a computer whiz, and so I knew I wanted to be in an exciting startup or multi-billion dollar firm in Silicon Valley. I didn't even bother looking at the brochure Elaine gave me when I heard her company was offering a position as a back-end developer for a private investigator agency. I was voted most likely to take over Google, and I guess that went to my head a little. But months later, when I failed to secure a position at all the major companies in Silicon Valley, I was brought low. I guess you could say I was humbled. I didn't know the screening process and the requirements would be that stringent, and I didn't want to disappoint my family and my school, so I was seriously considering going to college even though I didn't want to. But then I realized how much money it would cost, and my parents weren't well off at all. I didn't want to work my whole life paying for student loans either. So after weighing my options, I instead applied for a tiny startup at some guy's basement. Their letter arrived the same day that I got a weird envelope from Elaine's private investigator firm. Once again, she offered me a job. She said she had been following my career as an amateur hacker. She must have googled that I had participated in some hackathons in the state. Uh, I ignored her letter again, and I was about to actually sign my new contract with that startup when I took a glance at Elaine's letter and saw something I didn't even notice. At the very bottom of the letter, she wrote a number. I thought it was a phone number at first, so I didn't even see it. But the reason why it looked like a phone number was because of the amount of zeros. She was offering to pay me five times more than I would make at that startup. My hands began to tremble. I had to dial her number three times because I couldn't stop shaking from nervousness. Uh, hello? 
Henry, I've been waiting for your call. I'm glad you reached out. Uh, hi, Miss Elaine. I, I think there was an error in the letter you sent me. There seems to be too many zeros on this figure. Elaine laughed, and I only then noticed that she had such a beautiful voice. Oh, no, dear. That's what you'll be making if you work for us. There was no error. I couldn't believe my ears. I had to double check. No, triple check. Uh, are you sure? And and it, it'll be in my contract, right? <laughs> of course, sweetheart. Your contract's already drafted and waiting for you to sign it. I felt like I was floating. I felt like I won the lottery. Uh, when can I start? Come in at nine in the morning tomorrow. We wear ties here, so look sharp. You don't have to bring anything. The company will provide you with whatever you need. Laptops, servers, and however many monitors you want. I, I, I look forward to seeing you, Miss Elaine. Uh, th thank you so much for this, this this opportunity. Just call me Elaine. I'm only a few years older than you, after all. I didn't get to sleep that night. I tried, but I was buzzing with excitement. It felt like electricity was rushing through my body. When the clock hit seven, I got up, made myself breakfast, and got ready. I brushed my teeth twice, just to make sure, and I made my way to my new office. It was lucky that I decided to leave an hour earlier, because I had no idea where it was. The place was so tucked away in the middle of Chinatown that you wouldn't have guessed that such a fancy place was in there. The door was this tiny gate that didn't even have a sign. I only found out because I saw someone go in with a package that had the same logo as Elaine's letterhead. The gate led to a narrow alley, which led to a staircase, and when I went up, I realized that the agency was on top of the Chinese restaurant that I stood in front of for a good ten minutes. I guess for a private investigator agency, it really fit the bill. Only, you'd have to be an investigator as well if you wanted to find their offices. Elaine introduced me to my new colleagues. It was a small team. There were maybe four investigators, two clerks, an accountant, and me, the tech guy. But for some strange reason, there were always men and women. Some of them dressed in suits, the other wearing anything from mailman uniforms to gardener's outfits. They would all go through that one strange door at the end of the hall. But then I'd never see them come out. Miss Elaine, what's that door? Oh, that? It's not important. It's some other company. And that was the end of that. I sensed that Elaine wasn't going to tell me more, so I didn't press. The company gave me everything I wanted. When I wanted a new server room installed, they tore down an entire office for me and put in the best equipment and climate control that money could buy. Elaine bought me three laptops, all sporting the absolute latest GPUs that weren't even on the market yet. I coded software for the investigators to use. I developed apps for surveillance and communications. I programmed the software for their bugging and camera technologies that they used in the field. I was even able to create a program that made it easier for them to track a person's whereabouts without installing a tracker. With my work, Elaine's company was able to easily identify and find missing persons and other people who were on the run. I'm sure I'll get in trouble for saying this, but when we badly needed to find someone, I would hack into the street cameras in the city's CCTV network, and then I would use my very own facial recognition software to quickly rifle through millions of frames to find them. For the nastier persons of interest, I would fish them. Sometimes it'd be an official-looking announcement or someone trying to tell them they'd want something. We got the bad guys every single time.
My desk was massive, and I had six monitors. I felt like the real deal. But that was when the strange occurrences began. One time, when I was standing by the water cooler waiting for my turn, the hairs on the back of my neck picked up. I quickly looked behind me and saw that the camera CCTV was staring right at me. I stared into it, confused. I swear that thing's looking at me. Uh, sorry, what? I looked back at the camera, only to find it facing the other direction. I shook my head in confusion. Nothing. I was just imagining things. It didn't stop there, though. There were times when I'd be the only one left in the office, and I'd get that feeling again. The one where you feel someone's looking at you. But when I looked outside the windows, when I checked every room in the office, there was nobody else. One evening, I had to run out of there, because all the cameras in the room began pointing towards me. It was so creepy. But even at home, I didn't feel safe. I would lay awake at night just listening to the noises because I felt like someone was following me. One time, I swear I heard a camera click, but when I looked outside my window, there was nothing. Just an owl sitting on a tree. Some days, I would wear dark sunglasses, wear hats, and the most boring of jackets just to blend into the crowd and avoid someone following me or recognizing me. Once, I could have sworn I caught someone with a camera following me. And that was when I began having my theories. I'd always wondered why I felt so special, why my life was like a movie, like it was all fake. And then I realized it is. My life is probably a movie, and that was why there were cameras following me. Another theory I had was that the government was watching me. It kept me up at night. They probably know that I was hacking into their systems for our company, and I was so scared that they'd one day jump out of the bushes and arrest me. My last theory was a bit more far-fetched, but if it wasn't either of the first two, I thought it would be that. I theorized that I was living in a simulation. It was probably why things felt too easy, and maybe that door at the back of the office was a glitch. People kept going in, but they never came out. And then there was Elaine's office. I knew that glass panel was a two-way mirror. I could tell. So one random day, I decided to find out for myself. What was in her office? Was it just a normal office? Was it a producer's room for my life's movie? Were the government agents hiding there? Or was it just a bunch of wires supporting our simulation life? All I knew is that that secretive room had all the answers. So I got up from my desk and opened the door. My colleagues all stood up at the same time and tried to stop me. But it was too late. In that room was Elaine. There were hundreds of monitors. The largest of them showed my empty desk. There were at least 20 of them showing various areas of my house. One of them was walking through a crowded street. Another was just outside the Chinese restaurant. I, I knew it. They were producing the movie of my life. I was so ready to blurt it out when Elaine panicked and confessed to everything. I... I'm so sorry. I brought you here because I have a huge crush on you. I, I wanted to know your every move, but I couldn't bring up the courage to tell you. I've been watching you since we met on that hackathon five years ago. I'm calling the cops. Please, please don't. It's all my fault, but please, I'll lose my job. Finally, I had something to bargain with. I'd wanted to know what that door at the end of the hall was, and Elaine finally confessed. Our agency was fake. The door at the end of the hall was the entrance to a secret government facility. They enter at the door and come out of a tunnel two blocks away. And all this time, I had been working as a spy. No wonder I was earning so much. Elaine was my handler, and after that day, she finally took me through that door. And I became a real spy.
Now, Elaine and I work on international cases. I still catch her watching me sometimes, but it doesn't bother me anymore. Especially now that she's my girlfriend. Once upon a time, there lived a boy raised by a horrible, terrible mother who only knew how to make him feel like he didn't deserve anything in the world. That boy grew up to live a life filled with suffering which led him to a path of destruction. But there is hope at the end of the tunnel. Hi everyone! My name's Axel. My parents fought a lot. Every day. Multiple times a day. It was like being in the middle of a war zone. Only the weapons they use are words. My earliest memory was of hearing my mom shouting at my dad for not being able to afford to buy her a diamond necklace like her friend Sarah's husband. Sarah lived two houses down the street, and Mom and her would spend afternoons trying to outdo each other. They acted like they were friends, but really, they were fierce rivals who always tried to outdo each other. My dad tried. He tried to be calm around her, tried to be nice and give her everything. But one day, Mom hit Dad with her fist when he found out she was cheating, and he left without another word. I was ten when Dad left. Apparently, Mom started cheating on him ages ago with Sarah's husband, and she was stealing from the family business. Well, the day my dad left, the family business left with him, and Mom didn't like that one bit. She took that anger out on me. Sometimes she'd starve me on purpose, or she'd leave the house only returning weeks later. I had to fend for myself early. Boyfriend after boyfriend came and went so quickly into our house that Mom should have just had a revolving door installed. My favorite was Tim. At least he let me keep the change whenever he'd asked me to buy him his drinks at the corner shop. And he didn't push me around like the others. Him and Mom lasted about a month. I grew up with zero self-esteem. Mom always made me feel like I was worthless. If you hadn't been born, your dad would still be here. Now look at us. We're poorer than rats. I was over her crap that week. I was already so tired from doing all the house chores and cooking her every meal that I finally snapped. Dad's gone because of you! You klepto, cheating, gold-digging slap! Mom left a stinging sensation across my cheek, and when she saw that I was trying my best not to show that I was about to cry... She decked me in the gut, and I fell to the floor. She threw me out of the house that day. I didn't have anything but the clothes I was wearing on my back. I was lucky that my best friend Cole's mom was chill and took pity on me. I even joked about wanting to get adopted by a hot mom like her to Cole, and he immediately gave me a quick kick in the knee. It was around that time that I met Haley. I was depressed. I had no home and I was wondering how I could ever make something of myself in the world without a family. But then, I met her. And when I met Haley, my dark world suddenly became bright. I woke up every day like it was the best day ever, and whenever she smiled at me, I felt like I could do anything. Thing is, I had no business jumping into relationships. Especially not before dealing with what I got going on. Oh, I was horrible at it. The only people I could model from was my parents, and I thought that was what love looked like. I was... basically a simp. I did everything Haley asked. I gave her whatever she wanted, and when I couldn't give it to her, I felt bad and made myself feel bad. 
I thought I would never become like my parents. But I unconsciously did anyway. Haley and I fought every day. When we graduated, she spit on my face and broke up with me in front of our classmates. I am so glad I'm moving to Colorado for college. Now this can finally be over. By the way, I only used you so I could copy off of you during exams. You'll never be worthy of me. Or any girl. You'll never be anything. I cried a lot. I'm not ashamed to say it. But Cole and his mom were there for me. But eventually I moved out of there. They told me I was welcome to stay, but I just felt bad just taking from them and never being able to give back anything. So I took my chances and went to Hollywood. Now, I wasn't bad looking, and I was quite tall, so I thought I'd do some modeling. I got a job as a waiter and went to a few auditions. Honestly, I landed my first break out of pure luck. I was just walking to get some milk when some random lady stopped me and handed me her card. That very next day, I was called in to shoot a commercial. I went to Hollywood to try some runaway modeling. It turned out, I was pretty good at acting. So after my first commercial, that same lady who found me became my manager and she helped me book TV gigs. Nothing special, I would usually just be someone in the background. But then, one day one of the actors got sick and they needed a replacement. I immediately volunteered. The director was already frustrated, so he just waved yes. And that was the beginning of an awesome career. I did hit TV shows, movies with the best of the best, and soon enough, I was able to give back to Cole and his mom. I bought them a much nicer house, and I always send them tickets to any of my shows and red carpets. But then, years later, tragedy struck. I was in the middle of giving a press conference for having received my very first award, when I got the call that Cole had passed away. He had a heart attack, and he was so young. I couldn't eat or sleep for days. I flew home and helped Cole's mom get through it. But when I flew back, I felt like I couldn't deal with it myself. I was just going through the motions, smiling for the cameras, waving to people. But inside, I felt dead. Until I saw Violet. She was crying, waving her hand so desperately at me, wanting me to sign her autograph. And you know what? When I saw her, it was like the sun was shining on me. The world stopped. I never felt like that in a very long time, so I invited her back to my hotel. And we fell in love with each other instantly. Violet was probably the most beautiful girl in the world. And the world agreed. We were the cover story of every tabloid and entertainment magazine for weeks. They were all talking about our mysterious whirlwind romance. Violet was there for me. She helped me get through my grief. And she made the world a happy place again. I spent every free moment I had with her. I visited her family. And I even became pretty good friends with her sister who turned out was obsessed with the same video game as I was. We bonded a lot through that. While Violet was out shopping with my bodyguard, Kelly and I would spend hours just playing on the PlayStation. I felt happy. I found somewhere I belonged again. With Violet as the woman of my dreams, and Kelly as the sister I never had. The only problem was, maybe Violet was too beautiful? Or, as Kelly put it, too much of a flirt. Every job I had, as soon as they saw what my girlfriend looked like, 
the director would fire me. And then they'd try to take Violet out. A couple of them even offered her jobs, giving her roles in their movies just so she'd go on dates with them. And I... I felt powerless. She said if I loved her, I would let her do what she wants. She said if I loved her, that I would be happy for her. That I'd be happy that she was getting her own break. I know it was wrong, but I let her bully me into believing that she just wanted what I had. And that she was not, in fact, using me to get her own fame. I loved her so much that I let her walk all over me. One day, she tried to end my career. She called me before I saw the news, telling me that she only did it so that there'd be a buzz around us and her new movie would sell lots of tickets. But when I saw what she'd said about me, I couldn't believe my eyes. In minutes, there were dozens of paparazzi outside my door. I couldn't even go out and get my postmate. Kelly had to literally muscle her way through a bunch of reporters and deliver my food through the back. The next day, the police came and arrested me. I got bailed out, of course. But my career was over. The movies I was working on dropped me. I was blacklisted from clubs and received every hate mail imaginable. Everywhere I went, people asked me the same question. Axel! Axel, over here! Why did you hit her, Axel? I did not hit her! I did not! Yeah, Violet told everyone I hit her. Sure, we fought a lot. Mainly because I would get jealous when I saw her sitting on some gross producer's lap. But I never, ever laid a hand on her. That's what I told the judge during the trial. Not a lot of people believed me. Not even my own lawyer. But then, one day, a miracle happened. The people I loved stood up for me. As Violet was telling an elaborate lie about the night I supposedly hit her, my camp called out a witness they were never expecting. Violet's sister. Kelly defied her own sister and told everyone the truth. That, in fact, it was Violet who was always hitting me. That the same night she had given me a black eye just because I told her that I didn't want to be with her anymore if she would keep going out with directors and producers. Kelly told everyone how she witnessed Violet on multiple occasions punching me in the gut when her temper rose up. And then, several other witnesses said the same thing. There were even a couple of producers that Violet had cheated on me with who took to the stand. They all said the same thing. The Violet had, on multiple occasions, beat them up. I won that trial. And finally, my name was clean again. People who accused me apologized. And Violet was sent to jail for what she did. Now, her career is over and mine is back on track. And what's more is that I realized there was one person who truly loved me the way love is supposed to be like. And I kicked myself for not seeing it sooner. Kelly, her sister. I took it slow with her, and eventually I proposed. Now we live a happy life. Three kids and counting. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.